Hey, everybody, I got a lot of energy today. I'm in the zone. I am in the zone, Molly, and we have a full docket. You've been working so hard with our three producers making these beautiful dockets. What's on the docket for today? I know we have such a good show today. I have a lot of energy, too. I played a little basketball mm. on the street. What? Like it was the suburbs on a summer night with my child last night. And I like nice. woke up so refreshed. Ah, I want to so get refreshed. a little street ball going now that I lost the weight. I could do it's that. delightful. It really That's turns it. out I'm not good at that. Got okay. a little practice in to do. There's okay. a little box behind the basket. Just put the ball into that box and you got a pretty yeah. good chance of it yeah. uh, going in. It's, re- it's fine, you know, up close. It's the further yeah. away I get, the ah, yeah, yeah. harder it okay. gets, turns out. All right. So uh, we got a lot going on, on the show today. Yeah. We're going to get to the crypto collapse. Don't worry. But first, mm. we're going to dig into the creator economy, which is still mm. red hot. YouTube ah, Shorts yeah. has almost as many users as TikTok. And mm. Twitch is making some changes in how they pay creators to stay in that game. Got it. And yeah. uh, this is where we get to the bad Uh-oh. news. The crypto Uh-oh. contagion is continuing. Looks a lot like the actual contagion movie at this point. It's taken companies out. We will give an update on the hedge fund, Three Arrows Capital. Yikes. Celsius. Yikes. I also Yikes. want to check in on uh, Sailor, the guy from MicroStrategies. He's supposed to have a margin call at 21. And I saw we dip below 21 to 20,000. So I need to know if he got margin call because that seems like that could take the contagion oof, in a very dark place. Uh, and you know what? <laughs> we can't get through a show without talking about the aliens. They're coming. <laughs> Apparently, I mean, if 2020 through 2022 has not been crazy enough with Trump, the pandemic, everything aliens apparently china thinks it has received a signal from a more advanced species than us so it's going to get interesting it's going to be a great show stick with us oh my god (laughs) this week in startups is brought to you by swag.com is the place to buy customize and distribute custom gifts and promotional products they work with some of the best brands like yeti the north face ember mugs and more visit swag.com slash twist and use code twist for 10 percent off your order coda coda is the all-in-one doc for teams if you've got a stack of niche workflow tools or if you're buried in docs and spreadsheets coda is the doc that brings it all together startups can get a one thousand dollar credit at coda.io slash twist and odoo Odoo is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. Your first app is free forever, and right now, Odoo is offering $1,000 off your first implementation pack at odoo.com slash twist. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash twist. All right, we're kicking off today with something that is neither crypto nor layoffs, although we will get there. Do not worry. But there is, and this is just interesting, still plenty of heat in the creator economy, and YouTube is doing its best to catch up to TikTok, and evidently, it's working. According to the Wall Street Journal, YouTube Shorts, Mm. which felt a little bit like one of those Facebook copycat things, um, is evidently gaining ground on Mm. TikTok. Google disclosed that YouTube Shorts had one and a half billion monthly active users out of its two billion plus monthly users. So that's wild. pretty much the size of TikTok now. Third-party analysts Amazing. estimate uh, that TikTok is about 1.6 billion monthly active yep. users. So Google just like using that scale and apparently yeah. creator lock-in yep. to be like, no, we're not having it. Mm. Bat them right out of the sky. 
Yeah, I mean, TikTok is at 1.6 billion monthly active users, but obviously it's owned by ByteDance. They are based in China. They are banned, I believe, in India and some other countries, uh, and they, they should be. I, I know people love the product. Uh, the product is quite addicting. It's very elegant and, you know, got a lot of great features. But honestly, now that YouTube's got this up and running, I think the government needs to really think uh, and, and hold the Chinese government to reciprocity. If we allow TikTok here, they need to allow YouTube there. And if they don't allow YouTube there, we need to turn off TikTok here. Because, you know, there's all these rules we have for companies here that the United States companies have to play by. And, you know, China doesn't have to, and we have no ability to enforce any of those rules. We don't know what they're doing with user data. They're not going to be listed on public markets here in all likelihood, you know, if DD and the other companies. So Molly, like, do you think we should even allow TikTok in this country if it's being used by a communist? country to spy on our citizens well in the interest of journalism i should say that tiktok claims claims that its servers for its u.s product are located in the united states there's an american ceo okay and that the data is not being shared back and forth yeah you believe that as like knowing (laughs) what you know about the chinese government do you believe that chances that's actually true definitely not However, I chances I are feel like I should at least say that that's <laughs> they do claim that. God, you know, it's such a hard question because on the one hand, yes, that mm. all makes sense. Mm. And we don't and and the data collection is extreme. Yeah. On the other hand, the data collection is not any more than US companies are doing and TikTok has come along as basically the only real competition. that we've seen in a long time that has potentially forced some better behavior maybe Mm. by some of these other giants. So I'm really torn between my sense of the importance of competition Mm. and this sense of like an uh, what is so far a very undefined harm, right? Like even Mm. the harm is undefined in some ways. Well, it is undefined. Like what, what what could China do with this data? Oh, great, great question. So what China could do with this data is they could know the location um, and they could have access to the camera rolls of uh, every person in our government's children. And then they could uh, use that to uh, do corporate uh, or espionage where they could use things that are on a child's phone or a young adult's phone to then blackmail the parents or that young adult. And if you've watched The Americans, uh, the amazing AMC TV show, uh, which goes into, you know, Russian spy techniques, Mm -hmm. um, it is incredibly easy to compromise a person. Um, All you have to do is have compromat on the person. And so they could easily get compromat on anybody in their system. And the idea that the CEO here in the United States, you know, claims the stuff's on a US server, when things get backed up to some third party, to some other server, Right. Or reports get made. You don't know what's going back to the Chinese government. And the Chinese government um, has the keys to the kingdom in these other Chinese companies. Why would they make an exception with this one? And then there's also the algorithm programming our kids. So mm-hmm. if they're programming our kids to be, you know, against American ideals or values, who know, or just be distracted and not focused on their careers, science and technology. I know this sounds crazy, but psyops is a big part of... Um, you know, international spying and warfare. And they can basically program our kids. Video programs people. We know that. So how they, you know, program the algorithm, uh, you know, they could take things like, let's say the Russians did, um, gun ownership, uh, abortion, 
mm-hmm. um, slavery, reparations, uh, and race in the United States, mm-hmm. the Russians were using those specific topics to create um, division between Americans. In fact, I think the, correct me if I'm wrong here, the entire protest um, with those tiki torches, I believe it was that one, somebody fact check me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of evidence of them creating Facebook groups and sending either side of one of those contentious issues here in America. Right. Um, and they were sending happen. people to it to create and ferment this division in our country, which then distracts us and makes us look terrible on a global stage. So they can do that just like the Russians. 100%. Do. To be yeah. fair, all that happened on Facebook and kind of still is. So, right. you know, in terms of perpetrating that specific harm, TikTok might be a more targeted weapon. And they have more, more easily accessible it. and they have more yeah. control over it. But right. all of that is definitely still happening on Facebook. So, yeah, I mean, it, but they didn't, the Chinese don't control Facebook, the platform or the algorithm, right? You right. can be sure that that algorithm, uh, you know, if the Chinese government wants to have influence on that algorithm, they can, the US CEO wouldn't even know. Yeah. The US CEO wouldn't know. They, they could have 20 people working there who also have worked for the Chinese military. They could be doing all kinds of ops. Remember, as you're saying here, Molly, even American companies can get infiltrated. We had people from Saudi Arabia who had infiltrated Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were working there and they were getting information. I think even DMs, and somebody can fact check me on that one as well. But there was that story of they were getting account information back to yeah. the kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. incredibly dangerous, especially if people have anonymous accounts. So to your point, Molly, if we if if foreign actors can infiltrate Twitter and Facebook um, and do that effectively, what can they do with the platform they fully control? But back to YouTube and you know how much money this is making and, and how big this is. Um, this to me seems like a no-brainer for YouTube to win this race because if you're a creator, you're maintaining two accounts, which maintain means you're maintaining two different sets of follower accounts. And you know if if we have X number of people, we have two hundred and ninety-eight thousand subscribers here on this week in startups. I think All In has over two hundred as well. So. You know, you're not you're not starting from zero. So every creator who hasn't started their TikTok account, well, and you know, there's probably more that haven't really invested in TikTok because they're busy right. over on YouTube. Well, right. now they're going to start at YouTube, and where you originate your content creation is super important. Uh, getting people off of TikTok and then getting them to post again to YouTube—that's hard. Mm-hmm. But getting the people who are already on YouTube and saying, "Hey, here's your new feature," is great. Mm-hmm. My question is, why don't they have a YouTube Shorts dedicated app for just creating? Yeah. And just consuming. There should be a dedicated app just for this. And they should just do shorts and they should make it YouTube shorts. So if you want to waste time and just do that, you can. And then if you want to see the other longer form videos, you click and it opens up YouTube. So now you get two swings at bat. Where's the and shorts app? Do they point, have one? I don't know, but that is so smart. I mean, that's how you take out TikTok. And then, then yeah. you can, then if you're the government, you can ban TikTok without starting a youth riot because that is mm-hmm. what would happen now. But if well, you're like, oh, there's this alternative here and there's correct. this alternative over here and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I um, mean, I love okay. that idea. It feels like that might be coming or should arrive now that they have yeah. shown this success already with shorts because lumping it all in is it's hard. It's just hard to find. It's hard YouTube's to find. YouTube still, honestly, YouTube's uh, Achilles tendon still is. Achilles inter- heel. It's, it's Achilles heel. Thanks. Yeah. Is, um. Which interface. I think the heel, I think the Achilles heel is actually a tendon. It is they a mean, tendon. That's yeah. what it means. Like yeah. you, nobody ever says Achilles tendon because heel sounds cooler. But what it yeah. really means is you cut that tendon, you can't walk anymore. You're done. Yes. Yes. As Stand we know tendon. all too well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Clay. 
Uh, but he's back. Um, he had a good game. He's back. Last game. He's back. He's back. Yeah. We're, I'm just still. It's Flex just PTSD. Freeze. Just PTSD. Yeah. A lot of PTSD. Yeah. I, I can't even remember what I was. Oh, oh, their their Achilles heel still is interface. Like YouTube is still just looks like crap. It's like Amazon. Like why is it it's such like a crappy Craigslist, experience? Amazon. I think it's because you can navigate or navigate around it so easily that changing it is just too high risk. It's just yeah. too high risk. I am surprised none of the larger sites have been able to make a YouTube competitor. It seems to me that it would be possible to build a, uh, you know, a YouTube competitor. Um, but I'm surprised people haven't. Um, I will say, get the YouTube premium. Do you have YouTube premium for whatever bucks a month to take the ads out yet? <laughs> so still this is really funny because every time my son makes me watch a YouTube video and an ad comes up, I'm like, why don't we have YouTube premium? And then I never sign up. It's just sign a time thing. Up it's just and a dumb I think it's youtube.com slash premium. I hate to do a free ad for them, but I think, it's, I think it's as simple as that. And there's a family plan. So I'm getting the family plan. And then because I'm now I just got new iPads for the six year olds. And so now I'm going to have everybody on ad free services because I just don't want them programmed by all these ads. I think your kids start coming to you asking for weird stuff. Um, and it's just better to not have them on that consumption train. So slash uh, premium. I'm opening it up over here. Anyway, it is deeply fascinating it's it's cool to see this competition especially since you know instagram i think reels has been like okay but people don't like What's it the it's like reels story? is for the olds yeah reels is i'm starting to hit more reels and i find myself swiping through three or four um so i think the real and i keep getting upsold i'm not a um i'm not verified i just asked to be verified on instagram dude uh, i've asked keep like creating. 30 times to be verified yeah, on instagram you, you do and they it just through, ignore you, me no, did you do it through the interface? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I just did it through the interface because people keep making crypto accounts. And so they're sliding into people's DMs like, hey, it's Jcal. Want to send me a Bitcoin and I'll send you back too? And I'm just like, is anybody who falls for this? Um, but I kind of need one now. If you like delighting customers and your employees with amazing swag, well, then swag.com is the place for you. It's the best place to buy, customize and distribute custom gifts as well as promotional products because swag only carries items that people actually want to keep. They've curated an amazing collection of the best products across categories like tech, apparel, drinkware, office supplies, and more. And they offer some of the best brands in the game, like Yeti, Contigo, my favorite, Moleskin, another one of my favorites, Ember Mugs, I love those, and so much more. And remember the last time we told you we were building out the Twist swag bag? Well, I asked Twist fans for some ideas. And Twitter user Freed Ventures replied with a beautiful quarter eye cap. I love those. So if you have any swag bag submissions, go to swag.com and find your favorite item and then tweet it to TWI startups or email producers at thisweekinstartups.com. You might just win that piece of swag. I want to give you 10% off your first order. I'm not joking. 10% off. It's going to be big money for you. Swag.com slash twist and use the promo code twist for 10% off. The thing that's incredible is the revenue story for ByteDance. Right. I, right. I, this is new information to me because the ads on ByteDance are terrible. I I on would TikTok. never click on any of them. I don't think they provide any value, but apparently I'm wrong. Has anybody yeah. in the, in the uh, we're, we're on the YouTube chat live here with 342 people watching the show live at youtube.com slash this weekend. If you want to join us every day, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Um, has anybody ever clicked on an ad? I'm just asking the, the Noti gang, people who have notifications turned on, Molly. Has anybody ever clicked on an ad at TikTok and bought something? Or seen an ad on TikTok and bought that product or used that service. I have never done that. I don't get the sense that the ads work. But apparently, am I correct they that they hit 10 billion in revenue? 
uh, more than that, I think. Well, your three. ByteDance's 2021 chart. revenue was $58 billion. That's all YouTube, of ByteDance. That's all of ByteDance. So that's right. not just, that's not necessarily broken out by TikTok. And that's the one, right. the hard one to see. Um, right. This chart is revenue over time after hitting $10 billion in revenue. ByteDance, it looks like, hit that $10 billion in year one of year its existence. Three. Year, year three. three? Oh, no. No, no, no. Year three, it's at like almost 60. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And it's revenue. Um, I mean, and again, ByteDance is made up of a lot of different things. And in fact, in China, it's not even called TikTok. It's like an app <laughs> by a completely different name. And there is much more of a live stream shopping culture in China. Oh, you, yeah. You know what so, this chart is? This chart's an interesting chart. Um, we should pull it up here to share with the noties. This chart is once you've hit 10 billion, who knows what year that is? That would take like five years or something. But when right. you did hit 10 billion, what happened after that? So the slope after 10 billion is what this chart. So year zero here is not the year that Amazon, Apple, Google, and Microsoft started. This is just their growth curve. So you see, yeah, Microsoft just grew slow and steady. After they hit 10 billion years, you know, the next, the next five years after hitting 10 billion. So that was probably in the 80s, right? Or maybe early 90s. Mm -hmm. And Google, you see another slope, you know, tripling in five years. Microsoft basically doubling in five years. And then you see Amazon quadrupling or more tesla going 6x since hitting 10 billion so this is the slope after right. hitting 10 billion so this is hyperscale right right and by dance's slope is Whoa. bananas as of may yeah. of this year so last month uh there was a story saying that tiktok is on track to triple its ad revenue <laughs> this year surpassing the revenue of twitter and snap combined yeah tiktok only tiktok not just by dance uh, its ad revenue was going to triple from 3.8 billion in 2021 to 11.6 billion in 2022, 200%. That's right. nuts. Um, see, here's the thing. Th those numbers don't lie. Um, you, you, you can't hit 10 billion if the advertisers are not getting value. Yeah. Right. Like they must be getting some value. It's not a fad. And I think this is where I was wrong about Facebook. I thought Facebook advertising was going to be DOA because who wants to have an ad between like a conversation and photos of people? And I was right because the ads got so few clicks. Mm -hmm. The click rate was like a 10th of the ad or maybe a 50th of the ads getting clicked on Google. Right. So when compared to Google's click through rate, it was absurdly low. So we all thought in the industry, social media advertising is going to suck. What we didn't realize was, oh my God, people are spending a lot more time on this social network than they are on a Google search, right? Google mm -hmm. search, you just, you get in and out. The, the better a job Google does, either advertising orga or organic results, the quicker you leave Google, right? If you're yeah. hanging around Google search, it means you didn't find what you want and you're still going through the menu, right? Mm -hmm. With social media, you are just spending hours and hours on there. So therefore, even if it has a lower click-through rate, you're going to get a lot more time and you're going to understand the person's psychographics, a fancy way of saying like what they think about and what they're into, you know, their hobbies, their right. interests. The targeting is going to be so specific. Yeah. Over time, we underestimated what the algorithm could do in serving your next ad or serving ads to your, your friend group. So if one person in your friend group, let's say our friend group, Molly, you know, like somebody's talking about, I don't know, podcasting microphones and you and I are friends and Tom Merritt's in there and Kai Rizdahl's in there and Joe Rogan's, you know, in there. And it's just, you know, an orbit of people on a social graph. It starts showing the ads to our friends. Well, we have friends who are in podcasting or in right. radio. And all of a sudden those ads perform better. 
And it's all because one of us, you know, went to the Facebook page for, you know, this new podcasting microphone. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, if you went to that page and you spent three minutes on it and you interacted and asked and asked two questions on it, let's try the hundred people you're closest to. Oh, that worked. Let's try uh, the hundred people each of them are closest to. And all of a sudden you have the graph of every podcaster in the world. Yep. And you, nobody knows how it happened. It just happened magically through the app. I mean, just think about how revolutionary that was. And we all missed it in the industry. It's terrifying. Cheryl and that is Sandberg why. got it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. The, the value of the social graph specifically. Like they used to yeah. talk about the social graph and it would be like, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what you're talking about. And what yeah. it really meant is exactly what you just described. Yeah. That, that, it, that you will start to get ads that feel like they read your mind. Exactly. And this is why people think their phone is being listened to. Because we might all be at a party. Mm-hmm. And somebody starts talking about, hey, this new podcasting microphone that, you know, uses USB-C and it's great for travel and it, whatever, has battery life and you can take it on the road. Well, it sounds like a pretty good microphone. They should make one. Uh, imagine if you had a podcasting mic that had a awesome. battery in it and it was USB-C and you could just take it and do field reporting with it. That'd be kind of dope. I want that. Uh, I don't want that. Uh, somebody they do have ma- that. A company called Yellow makes it. Really? Uh, I got to use it at Marketplace. Yep. And it's does it sick. record like on a chip right into mm-hmm. the microphone as well? um yeah well, what this is an all-in-one portable microphone records right oh, into the device i have an even better one put wi-fi in it and put a little camera in it and then let me use it for uh man on the street sorry to use a sexist term what's the other term that's a fancy latin term that uh, you use? vox populi vox pop vox pop thank you uh for that yellow person tech. on the street um imagine person on the street where we would live stream it so it had a EVDO, it had an EV, it had a 5G connection in it. Now I could be interviewing people on the street with a microphone and it would be recording in high fidelity with a camera in it. That would be a great device. That would be amazing. All right. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm going, but anyway, Yellow we would be talking about the that, mic, by the way, oh, we, we would be talking about that. We so would yeah, be talking about are. that. And then we'd think, and then we'd see ads and it wouldn't be that we saw ads. It'd be one of us went on our phone and searched for it. And then everybody else was in the social group. And then we all got the ads in the next 24 hours. Right. So just so you know, that's working. Or so, someone somewhere in the world who was connected to podcasting groups had bought that microphone and it was like, oh, I noticed. I mean, it's actually way worse than it listening. It's like, oh, I noticed mm. that all these people in the same social graph were in the same location because it yeah. knows our location. Yeah. So I see that a bunch of you were just at a party where I can infer that you were probably talking about some podcasting. Shit. So let me like pop this ad up immediately because you're all in the mood. Yeah. If you're a startup, you know, you have to save where you can. I'm talking about time and money and your bandwidth. That's why we love Coda. Coda is one doc to rule them all. And here's a quick example. My guy Presh just made a beautiful template for investor updates. Yes, if you're a founder and you have investors, you want to update them, especially in these uncertain times so that they can support you. Maybe invest a little more. How do you write an investor update? Well, we got you covered. Go to thisweekinstartups.com slash investor updates and use my template. Coda has tons of templates waiting there for you for almost anything you want to do. Coda works right out of the box. It's totally customizable. And your text and your tables can live together in the same document. This means all your valuable data, your objectives and your strategies are all in one place. And your team is literally on the same page. You can onboard new hires quickly from anywhere because they get to see all the best practices and you're going to react quickly to all the changes that will happen in your business. Join the productivity revolution and sign up for Coda today. Head to coda.io slash twist 
and you'll sign up and get a thousand dollars in credits i kid you not coda.io slash twist for one thousand dollars off that is what is happening with youtube and the tiktok competition and also while all of that is happening twitch is trying to get in this game in an even more real way keep creators on its Mm. platform keeping them from bailing to youtube uh twitch is expanding its ad incentive program for creators to be exactly in line with the youtube split so earlier this year twitch i think had not even been paying Mm. creators it was like you can make money with merch or tips or sort of real-time donations earlier this year twitch started paying a flat like a cost per mile of just a payout for 1000 per 1000 ad impressions cpm is the classic term for this in advertising if folks haven't heard of it cpm cost per m being thousand in uh was that roman or something oh yeah not cost per mile sorry mille (laughs) cost per mille mille. yeah cost per Per thousand thousand. so anyway i was paying a cpm to uh twitch streamers so if you got you know a thousand ad impressions you'd get a certain amount of money now they're switching to the split the 55 percent ad revenue split on the ads and then letting more creators join that program and have that opportunity to get paid, which to me shows both growth in creator interest on Twitch, but also Twitch's realization that if they want to stay competitive, you have to pay creators. This is actually one of the big knocks on Instagram and reels is they really don't have much of a creator or haven't historically had much of a creator um, focus so that if you were an Instagram star, you were only making money on external deals and merch, not an ad split. Yeah. Uh, I, this is a strategic mistake on Amazon's part. Um, if YouTube gives 55%, it costs them nothing to give 60 or 65%. Mm. So why not make it a 10% better deal? Um, why would you go at the exact split? It costs you nothing to do 60 or what they could say is we'll give you, this is what I would have done. I would have said in year one, we're going to go at 90% uh for creators and then we're going to go down five percent a year and then we're going to uh wind up at 70 30 so we really want for the next couple of years to really incentivize you we're going to give you the bulk overwhelming bulk of the revenue we're just going to cover our costs and then we're going to go down five percent to what we think is a sustainable split of 70 30 this is what facebook should have done um so smart. It, or twitter should have done twitter never really opened up their ad um you know sharing they do put ads in front of select people like you know cbs or something uh their videos you, those pre-rolls you've seen them on twitter yeah, do you, yeah, yeah totally i don't as a verified user we don't get as many ads so i go to my other account at jason calacanis my full name and i check there to see um what the ad mix looks like but i think you get a lot more of those ads yeah, no, I think you you make uh, an excellent point that there was a chance to actually not just win profile high profile streamers back because a lot yeah. of them have left. They either yeah. left for YouTube or like Ninja went to Mixer, which then up and died. Yeah, they and gave it was all Ninja like a hundred million or fifty million. It was some crazy deal, and then they yeah. shut it down and had to pay them off. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. But so all these creators left, so you could have potentially gotten them back. And then, according to Surge Dog, one of our noties uh, watching us on YouTube. He said, I saw a ton of Twitch streamers complain that this would actually lower their earnings because if you have a really, really high CPM payout because you got tons and tons of viewers, then this will actually. So on the one hand, great that they're giving more creators more opportunity to make money. But if it's a pay cut for the creators on the program and they're already pissed, Mm. that's a miss also. Yeah. Come on, Twitch, get in the game. No pun intended. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard when you're owned by a big company mm-hmm. 
to actually be aggressive because you have a bunch of middle managers running the place. They all report into somebody. They all have, you know, some TPS report or some North Star metric, and they have to get a levels of approval. I'm not sure how independent yeah. Twitch is, but they set up YouTube to be highly, you know, independent. And Susan Wojcicki is, uh, you know, CEO for that reason, so that they can make their own decisions. This feels like they're not being aggressive enough in a really aggressive environment. They should be super, super aggressive and they should make the ad deal much more aggressive. But okay. Um, yeah. it's, it's nice to see all this activity supporting creators. And this is one of the things just when you think about employment in the world, one of the great things that's happened in America, uh, specifically is we keep with this incredible creativity and entrepreneurial spirit we have in America. Uh, we keep coming up with new ideas for jobs. Totally new like, economies. Yeah, it's like so cool. There's a whole group of people. It's it's probably now there's probably a million people in the United States or a half million people whose job is to work on a podcast, right? There are eight or nine people working on this podcast. So there are nine people employed, uh, you know, over the last 12 years, you know, we're gonna hit 1500 episodes soon. Um, gonna have a party for that 1500th party. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so anyway, just think about that. And then you think there's people who are getting paid to play video games. And then think there's people who are getting paid to make short, funny videos where they do 30 second dance moves. So dancers, that was known as a terrible job, right? Yeah. Like for everybody who wanted to get paid to dance, like, you, okay, you could be on tour with Madonna or you could, you know, I don't know, New York ballet, like, and nobody shows up. And, like dancers didn't get paid a lot of money. I mean, maybe there are, there's a category of dancers that get paid a lot of money, I understand. But putting that aside, uh, you know, adult dancers. <laughs> Yeah, you did not. You really, I'm trying, you could have just let it go. I'm, just, I'm trying flag. to think about the entire economy. Red flag, red flag. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm not, don't call you HR, could, you gotta, if you, you know what, if you let I it. knew that was coming when the grin started to show. <laughs> you can totally see it. Well, here's a, Molly, here's, a, here's, here's a tip for you. I call it the nine-year-old test. If you don't specify it, then you pass the nine-year-old test because they're not going to, you don't have to like put There's a five There's all types of it. dancing, okay? This is Molly. She's like, I said, I'm calling HR. Beep, beep, boop. Brrr, beep, boop, hey, it's Jake Al. No, I'm like, hey, here it Molly. comes. I'm calling here it HR. Comes. <laughs> nice. Jake Al brought up strippers Jake on the Hall. show. I mean strippers. I'm, I'm literally talking about strippers here. But anyway, if you look at dancing, <laughs> there are more people being paid to dance on YouTube or, you know, other platforms. I guess yeah. people don't get paid to dance on TikTok yet, but they probably have other opportunities to monetize. I mean, if yeah, if you're Charlie Pinoyo, you make nothing merch. from... TikTok, but you get like okay yeah a show charlie d'amelio mm -hmm. the highest earning TikTok creator in 2021 according to a report is raking in approximately 17.5 17 million dollars and then her sister by forbes they're so. the new kardashians like he, this family the d'amelios is the new kardashians like they're oh. they've got like shows and there's like she's 18 her sister's I, in on it like it's a whole Oh, no, that, it's I, my son yeah, showed me young. Charlie D'Amelio years ago. And I was like, I feel uncomfortable. And no, I mean, that's she's, it, just, that's she's a dancer. She's a good dancer. Like, it's not like okay. the thing that you're talking about. Yes, but it's also but these are very that. provocative dances. I, just as a parent. At what age do you allow your kids to have a TikTok, Molly? That's for people who are in the chat. What age should a kid be able to publish to TikTok? I, I mean, most it, people say get a phone at. I think the age I'm told is 14 or 15 is when people get their mobile phone. Oh, really? 
Yeah, some people get well, it as young as 12. According to COPPA, the Ch- Child Children's Online Privacy and Protection Act, okay, 13 is the age at which kids are legally allowed to create their own accounts. Before about, that, they cannot. They can't create their own account. They're not and creating an account means you can to. then make content and share it with the world and potentially go viral. Right. So, so let's at 13, I let my son create social media accounts that had to be private. Got He's it. not okay, allowed that's to have public, pa- public accounts. Okay. Um, and then public accounts and posting to them. At mm-hmm. what age? I see in the chat, people are saying 14, 18, iPhone at seven. Oh, that's way too young. Uh, yeah. This is, this is what I'm trying to figure out. Like, I am, you know, I have three daughters and like, all their friends are talking about TikTok or TikTok comes up and, you know, I'm not a square and obviously I'm in the technology industry, but it just feels like far too young because your, your, your frontal lobes, we've talked about this before on the program, Molly, are not fully developed until you're 21, 22, 23. Yeah. If you publish something on there and it's inappropriate and then it goes viral and then you become known by it, like this could have serious repercussions. Yeah. I mean, I, what I, one thing I do appreciate appreciate about like my son and his cohort mm. is that they seem to really, really understand the value of ephemeral posting. Like they're into the platform. They do stories, you know, they delete all their Instagrams. They don't have a like corpus of digital life. Like had, if, if the internet had existed when I was growing up career over, right? Mm. Like, and, and I'm extremely mild, <laughs> relatively speaking. And, they just don't, they seem to sort of innately, they're not trying to build up an archive that future employers will be able to search. They're sort of sharing with their friends. They're doing a lot more in group chat. They're doing a lot with stories and disappearing messages. And I don't think that it's, they don't, they don't show the past, if you will. I mean, my son will post a couple of things to Instagram and like delete them all. I'm like, oh, mm. it's just not the same. It's not the same usage pattern. So I sort of mm. feel like applying our version of how we interacted with social like they're growing up with it in a different way and growing into it yeah. in a different way that i think is interesting to watch not I'm that just, it can't be damaging i just think yeah. it's it's very different how they use it yeah I'm, I'm just concerned about young people creating content with the potential of it going viral and then you become famous at the age of 15 for something mm-hmm. and then i don't know what trajectory does that put you on in life like it could go either way right like if it is something super positive there's a YouTube channel where um, a kid unboxes toys. Yeah. Do you know about yeah. that one? Oh, yeah. And my kids watch it sometimes. And it like it's become fabulously famous. But this kid was very young. And I was like, my kids wanted to do like, hey, can we do unboxing videos? I was like, yeah, sure. We can do an unboxing video. And I was like, we can make one of those. And we could just watch it on our iPads. I wasn't going to publish it. Ryan. Toy review. Ryan, Toy Ryan Toys Review. Yeah, this yeah. and that's been a whole there've been like really upsetting stories about his parents hoarding the money. Like it's a it's a this, little bit of a yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. I guess there's there are a child there. maybe this isn't a new thing. Like there've been child acting laws, exactly. right? Exactly. It's all the same stuff. I it's mean, all, it really is all the same stuff. And if you're putting your kid up for clicks because they're, you know, and your pets and mm. and all of those things, it's but it it is what I realized covering the creator economy is it's all the same. It's agents, you know, mm. it's like marketing deals it's are you trying to get into target and it's a it's always it's the same tiny number of people who get really really famous and make a lot of money as it's always been just a different platform it's so interesting you know i just did a google search for ryan's toy reviews and literally the drop down was like 
child labor. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think, yeah, this is uh, interesting. Yeah, it's all evolving, like right before our very eyes. Uh, one of the producers had, uh, it looks like just a cursory research online, $29 million for Ryan's story reviews in 2019. So if the kid then winds up with tens of millions of dollars in a trust fund, mm-hmm. is that a bad thing? I'm not sure. Um, I, I guess it's okay. Depends on how screwed up he is, right? I would mm-hmm. like to, if um, just noties and maybe for the producers, I'd like to talk to a child labor lawyer slash a person who does this or maybe an agent or somebody who's an expert on this i think it'd be an interesting topic right yeah like how how do Absolutely. they advise people doing this because again to my original point pretty great that uh we're creating all these jobs but it's almost like it's too easy and you could have kids you know becoming famous or creating businesses i don't mind them creating businesses but i'm concerned about the fame thing like what does that do to a young child's mind but it's a different level of fame. It's a global level of fame, right? Yeah. It's not like being on like a TV series level of fame. It's like probably a hundred X that. And it's Pretty the intense. comments and the all oh, the, the comments. You know, yes. yeah. I mean, hopefully they're being protected from that, but Oh uh, wow. Thirty two point six million subs. Listen, right now, being capital efficient and extending your runway is more important than ever if you're running a startup. And one easy way to cut costs is to run all your SaaS apps on one platform. And for that, you need to check out Odoo's amazing suite of business applications. Using Odoo means you won't have a bunch of different SaaS subscriptions. Everything you need is already on Odoo. All you have to do is turn it on when you're ready. And then they'll only charge you for the apps that you're using. And they have over 40 main apps and over 16,000 apps from their open source community. We're talking about sales, accounting, marketing automation, HR, website builders, and so, so much more. And this will streamline your business. No more issues transferring data back and forth from one platform to the other. And you'll have only one customer support contact across all of your apps, not 20. And here's the best part. Your first app is free forever. And Odoo is offering $1,000 credit on your first implementation pack. Go to odoo.com slash twist for $1,000 off. That's odoo.com slash twist. And by the way, congratulations to Odoo for announcing a huge new round of fundraising. Well done. It's breaking news. Breaking news, everybody. The Federal Reserve approved the largest interest rate increase since 1994 and signaled it would continue lifting rates this year at the most rapid pace in decades as it races to slow the economy and combat inflation as running at a 40-year high, officials agreed to a 0.75 percentage. We, we knew that was a possibility. Yeah. Uh, rate raise bits. at the two-day policy meeting that concluded Wednesday, which will increase the Fed's benchmark federal funds rate to a range between 1.5 and 1.75. That's a good thing, right? Um, I think. I guess uh, so. Slow. I guess the goal is to slow spending. This just feels like we're slamming on the brakes. We floored it. <laughs> just feels really um yeah i don't know i'm i'm curious about this right because like there are definitely some people are saying okay this is good it's going to show that the fed is taking this really seriously um immediately after the news you know the dow is up a little bit the s&p is down very slightly i think that this is probably what what what, one percent yeah yeah this is sort of what like markets were saying that they are fine with yeah they expected it i also just and they expected it and they're happy because it doesn't prolong things in their minds what i don't know is how you know this also makes like housing even less accessible 
it isn't going to do anything about you know monopolies that control baby formula and tampons it's not going to do anything about yeah. the war it can't can't deal with like china's covid no. policies like a sort of we had already even before the pandemic entered a phase where the feds tools were somewhat limited and there was yeah. even like a piece that was just like look I, amazon controls pricing more than the fed at this point yeah we and probably, I, I just am yeah. like is this just going to put money out of reach for americans who are already suffering but not do anything about the underlying things that are causing yeah. this disruption i guess if less people are trying to buy a good or service the price comes down so if you get rid of the demand side right. so you don't have as many people originating mortgages you will have less competition for homes and and that's like a really peculiar environment because you have with homes um a limited supply so that that's also distorted but i guess the the theory here is we're going to try to get inflation to slow down and I, I I see it everywhere I'm going now. People are talking about the price of things, and they're mm -hmm. adjusting their behavior accordingly. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know. It assumes about that the, the price uh, of things is really just controlled by supply and demand, though, right? Like the the price of oil and yeah. baby formula and apparently tampons mm. is all about is not like a it's not a free flowing supply situation. It's like a couple of companies control that, and if they screw up their factory or they decide mm. to turn off production or you know. Now you have Biden literally being like, I guess I'll meet with MBS, even though he chops people up. And I said I never would, but we need oil. Like, it's just. Yeah. Like, Wait a second. It's uh, looks like. Um, yeah. NASDAQ is in the green right now. It looks like it hasn't changed the NASDAQ for the day. The Dow was at a stronger position at the start of the day. It's come down a little bit. Yeah. It's basically flat now. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. It's not red. The only thing that's red is. Uh, crude oil is down one percent so interesting yeah. um it's going to be a lot to work through uh but let's work through the rest of this docket let's should do we it because we still have a bajillion stories probably more than we're going to be able to should get we to skip the phone and do let's that tomorrow yeah. yeah i think the crypto stuff everybody we wants gotta talk, to talk about crypto about. yeah this is just getting crazy we tried to put off the bad news but we did man here we go uh it's it, it is a contagion right i mean i think that's what mm -hmm. we're seeing now is the word contagion is important because it means when things start to go bad at one company there is some kind of uh effect to other related companies and i talked about this what three or four months ago with the layoff mm -hmm. contagion mm -hmm. we now see the layoff contagion has absolutely happened every company right. is just making the cuts whether they need to or not, they're like, look, everybody else is doing it. We should do it. In fact, I think Brian Armstrong kind of pointed to that. Look, everybody else is doing this. Um, and I was on two board calls yesterday on, on both board calls. We were talking about Brian Armstrong's letter. Mm. So that is a full-blown contagion. And now there's a, a another contagion happening in crypto. So let's talk about the, what we saw today. So let's start with the biggest ones. The, this is... I mean, talk about contagion. I would even argue that this is just an accelerating collapse at this point. There's a hedge fund uh, calling itself Three Arrows Capital, styled as 3AC. According to an article published this morning from the crypto news site The Block, 3AC had close to $10 million in crypto assets under management at its peak. And it may now, due to margin calls effectively and calls on uh, money it was holding, may be on the brink of insolvency. Hmm. We've wow. seen estimates higher and lower than the $10 billion. 
Three Arrows Capital had raised separate funds for venture investments in Web3 companies, somewhat like A16Z's specialized crypto fund. Its larger holdings, I am sorry to report, included Terra and Luna, which of which course went now, to zero. I think went to zero, right? Yeah, is my I think understanding. it's insolvent is the last I checked. I know they were trying to like resuscitate the corpse, but I think essentially dead. Essentially dead. Uh, Ethereum, which is down 50% over the last month. Avalanche, which is down 57% over the last month. That's a smart contracts layer one platform that's been focused mm -hmm. on speed. Polkadot, which is down about 39% over the last month. That's a layer that provides interoperability between different blockchains. The tweets out from 3AC have included things like, in the process of figuring out how to repay lenders and other counterparties after it was liquidated by top tier lending firms in the space. Was that by 3AC or is Sorry, that... that was not a tweet. That was an article published this morning from The Block. Yeah. Okay. So according to The Block, yeah. 3AC is currently in the process of figuring out how to repay lenders and other counterparties after it was liquidated by top tier lending firms in the space. So they must have had loans against yeah. their crypto. They did. Which is what all these folks are doing. This is like such a high risk maneuver to get levered up because when things come down, so you're basically taking for people who don't understand leverage. Sometimes people will give you like twice as much money to invest. And they'll use your Bitcoin, your whatever cryptocurrency you own as the collateral if you so you have twice as much money to spend so you can buy twice as much Bitcoin. And if Bitcoin comes down at a certain point, they liquidate you because you owe them the money. They liquidate you. Bitcoin goes down because there's more sellers than buyers. And that might be what's happening right now is a bunch of people were levered up. And now they're all getting liquidated. And that's why we saw Bitcoin just plummet to 20,000 and change. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. Got Sources, it. according to the block, declined to share the names of the firms, the lending firms that liquidated uh, on the record for fear of reprisal. But three people said the liquidation totaled at least $400 million. Hmm. They added that the firm has maintained limited contact with its counterparty since being liquidated. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was a long thread from an anonymous crypto crypto account, um, hold kryptonite <laughs> with 20 tweets. And it's sort of like you never know what's real and what's not. And yet at the same time, people, yeah. you know, people in the crypto space are unbelievably informed sounding about basically financial basics. Hold kryptonite claims uh, these lenders are unprepared for a collapse of this size, much like Celsius was. They claim lenders will withdraw credit by recalling outstanding loans, forcing even more large liquidation of coins, and that we might see the price of Bitcoin go below 10,000. 10,000 again. Wow. The, there are a lot of anonymous uh, There are always a lot, a lot of anonymous tweet threads so, in the know, crypto world. This one, the, and so just in terms of like when we cover something that's anonymous on the program, if this thing has trended, then, you know, I think talking about it with the major caveat of like this seems informed but and it's trending mm -hmm. and everybody's talking about it but to be clear who knows there could be all kinds of agendas here like this could be a competitor to 3ac you know totally it could there, there's all kinds of fud but if something does rise up to going viral now it's become a story so you don't want to cover rumors or anonymous accounts but you have no choice but to cover them in this new crazy world i think it's not perfect there's um, so it's so hard to get information, right? It's sort of it's yeah. all so opaque. And these are private companies who are also doing incredibly complicated financial maneuvering. Hmm. And so sometimes you look wherever you can. Will Bitcoin go below $10,000? I don't know. 
Nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's hard to yeah. imagine that. But at the same time, like as the even just this week has gone on, mm-hmm. it's getting less and less hard to imagine anything. Yeah. Okay. So, the, I mean, but straight from the horse's mouth, 3AC co-founder, uh, Zhu Su. Uh, mm-hmm. He is Z-H-U-S-U if you want to follow him on Twitter. He just says, we are in the process of communicating with relevant parties and fully committed to working this out. That is super yeah squirrely like working what and it's like no details but i understand like this is unprecedented times and so this is why regulation um exists in financial markets this is why anonymity does not exist in financial markets Mm -hmm. um this is why there are rules of the road this is why um you know different countries have different um controls in place and you know, we, we clearly do not have enough controls in place in crypto. We knew that this could happen. And here's the sad part. Uh, you know who's going to get burned. It's yeah. going to be retail. Um, yeah. It's going to be people who, you know, heard about this from their cousins, brothers, sisters, roommate. They heard about a new project. It was going to the moon. And, you know, they, they, they bet too much. If you were betting, you know, as I always say, you know, if you're betting 1%, 2% of your net worth and you can afford to lose it, only bet what you can afford to lose, you'll be fine. If you start betting, you know, things that are a significant portion of your net worth, you really have to think it through. And you always, of course, need to be diversified. So if your house yeah. is 50% of your, you know, if, if your house and your retirement account are 70% of your net worth, and then 30% is in alternative stuff, you own a car, that's a classic or something. You know, I think there, there's some logical Molly blend of these things. The problem is, People were pressured into making these investments. Yes. And this is the thing that I complained about. And people gave me a hard time about it because I was like, listen, don't be toxic. Don't tell people have fun being poor. Don't create 50 accounts and be Bitcoin, you know, the Bitcoin toxicity movement. All this stuff is just too dark. And, you know. Um, and look, these companies 100% presented themselves with a financial veneer and a financial a veneer makes Mm. people think that their money is protected. I mean, I remember having to convince almost to the point of yelling a marketplace producer that Zelle Mm. isn't FDIC insured, that there is no protection for Venmo payments, that you can't get your money back if you send it to the wrong person. When something has, when something is deals with money interaction, there is an expectation Mm -hmm. of protection because money is serious business. And so if you look at, you know, r slash Celsius, you see a bunch of people being like, yeah, but they're not going to be allowed to just disappear with our coins, right? They would get sued. Or mm-hmm. I'm sure there's protection. Isn't the money insured up to some amount? Not in the hedge fund. I don't think there's nobody will give a hedge fund in crypto insurance, right? Like who's taking that insurance? And this is where the when, I mean, I'm just talking about insurance. these users. I'm talking about these retail yeah. users who oh, got into this ecosystem, yeah. believing There's, this stuff is real. I think the veneer of and this, you know, polishing, making it look like a financial product, I think is one of the things that the regulators are going to come down so hard. It's going to yeah. be a massive overcorrection now. Yeah, because you've just given the high ground to the regulators. Crypto should have behaved itself it should have regulated itself it should have been cautious it should have you know not used these high pressure tactics people should have spoken up with the laser eye stuff and the have fun being poor because if you're pressuring people like they're going to miss the boat like 
yeah, you, you might actually succeed. You may not succeed with me or Molly, but you might succeed with your grandma, or your uncle or something because you have some credibility and yeah, you 10 extra money or you 100 mm -hmm. extra money. If you look at the book I wrote, I'm not putting a plug in here, but I was very, very, very careful to explain to people like a very make the smallest but if you choose to do this and you're an accredited investor make the smallest bets possible on your first 20 investments if you can put 500 dollars into each startup or a thousand dollars do that and in fact when yeah. we run the syndicate or when i had the syndicate on angelus we moved it to the syndicate.com you know we kept the minimum investment very low other people put the minimum investment at 10k 25k per startup i said originally it was 1k then 2k then 4k and the reason we made it 4k is you can only have 250 people in it um, you know, per deal. So we, we needed to have a minimum. But if people ask, like, hey, can I put a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars into this? I just I'm just getting started. We we'll actually say sure. If there's room, we'll let you have one of the slots. Yeah. Um, and so God, I'm just so upset that people it's took advantage of the public and they just made this entire shadow economy with no rules. And, you know, now people are gonna get burned. And, and it, they I, were about it. That's, like you can, you, you know, can say that, that if you I want, can, but these guys were were jerks about it. They were and jerks about it. And look, when I if I like come into a space and I see where all the jerks are, I don't like to go there. And so there is going to be even more Schadenfreude, and there's going to be even more crackdown because the arrogance, the abusiveness, the yeah. the the kind of like Ponzi scheme for bullying. toxic men situation, the bullying yeah. Yeah. of it, like no one is going to want to help you. Yes, well, when and that's, that's how you presented yourself. The, the Schadenfreude, did I pronounce that correct? Yeah, Schadenfreude. Uh, Schadenfreude is now coming on hard, and this clip keeps going viral, and I, I've been uh, tweeting about it as well, because, <laughs> well, I mean, it's just MicroStrategy CEO Michael Saylor. Oh, who, I'm sorry, you're talking about the MicroStrategies clip. I was like talking about the Onion article that just popped up. Woo, that was a visual... Oh, what's the onion? That was a visual Man who lost disconnect. In crypto, just wash wishes several thousand more people have warned him. <laughs> well played, onion. They, 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 well played, the onion. This is I'm from a April. I'm B guy these days, but I'll give the onion credit when they hit one. That's a great one. Thousands of people warned him. If only a thousand or even a few hundred more friends had told me yeah. about the risks of putting my entire savings into coin, I might not be where I am today. Said Branton. I love yeah. the onion. So I saw this clip with Michael Saylor, and it's him doing an interview with Angelo uh, Robles, uh, who is the CEO of something called Family Office Association. Family offices are rich families. They typically have 100 million in net worth for the family, and they have to manage multi-generations, you know, having access to this money. Um, and th this, has been this has been clipped maybe unfairly to Michael, um, but it's important people know MicroStrategy CEO Michael Saylor um has like a software company that then he started he got bitcoin religion he started buying bitcoin from this company microstrategy which had nothing to do with bitcoin took out a bunch of loans to buy a ton of bitcoin and then essentially created a backdoor etf right an exchange traded mm -hmm. fund because microstrategy's main asset is their bitcoin holdings so that i don't know i don't want to say that's fugazi but it certainly was notably strange mm -hmm. Um, and he started buying a lot of Bitcoin and, you know, he was one of these people who was super vocal. Now, was he toxic or was he just absurdly enthusiastic? But, um, you know, I think, uh, people are reporting now he's lost a billion dollars because I, he has some average price in the 30,000, uh, you know, Bitcoin price. And yeah. because he's a public company, people know a lot of these details. 
Uh, they're down market strategy, micro strategies down 70% year to date, 74% over 52 weeks. And Ooh. I thought we'd present this clip in full. Mm -hmm. And then we'll do the clip. numbers. So I want to just play this because I've watched various versions of those clips going around and people are editing it. But I think you have to be very careful uh, when giving financial advice. And we, you know, I talk about financial stuff all the time on this pod about angel investing. I teach a course, angel.university. I wrote a book about angel investing. I've got 11,000 people in the syndicate. I take it super seriously. I'm very careful. I'm super careful to say only bet what you can afford to lose. And if you're an accredited investor, which means you're, you know, the top 6% of the country, Molly, I say go as slow as possible. Be as informed as possible try to be diversified and if it was my brother sister cousin a great friend i would tell them start at one percent of your net worth and if you love it and you're enjoying it maybe you go to two you know after a couple of years and then if you get really good at it you could raise a fund but just be there's no race here right yeah. you, you, you get rich slowly is always my advice let's start this clip Every dollar that's not invested in Bitcoin is dilutive to your opportunity. And every dollar that's not being the S&P is dilutive to your wealth. And so if you really want to maximize your opportunity, you want, to, you want to move as much of your liquid capital as close to Bitcoin or the Bitcoin network as possible because it is this uh, monetary network that's going from a trillion and presumably it could be worth a hundred trillion or more because... The sum total of all money in the world is maybe $400 trillion worth of stocks, real estate, bonds, and the like. Half of that is looking for a store of value. And the other half, honestly, truly wants to be invested in stocks or bonds or real estate. We've lost price discovery in the financial universe. So, so the single most accretive way to use money or time is invest in Bitcoin because you've got a once in a lifetime, once in 50 years, you know, transformation where all of this $200 trillion of money sitting in analog fiat instruments is being encrypted and converted into a digital instrument, which is thermodynamically superior, right? That's the first observation. Time is money. Convert your money into Bitcoin or something as close to it as you can. And the second time, let's pause there for a second. Mm -hmm. so he's, he keeps saying convert your money into bitcoin or something that is as close to possible right mm -hmm. he's talking about micro strategy i think his publicly traded stock because it, at the time or you know even to this day it's easier to buy a publicly traded stock than it is to get a wallet and cold store or whatever and to buy your own bitcoin right so he's promoting buy bitcoin or something as close to the network as possible i think I, you know i can't say for sure but I think if an attorney uh, in a class action suit was going to launch something, the fact that he keeps saying that, if you could rewind it just maybe five seconds, I don't know if that's possible. And let's just play it one more time. Uh, and we'll, we'll keep commenting. Convert your money into Bitcoin or something as close to it as you can. And the second time, well, anytime you're spending analyzing, it's like, it's like, Go to Venezuela, analyze every company, every piece of real estate, every bond index in Venezuela and figure out which ones you want to invest in. And the answer, Angelo, is it's all a waste of time, right? <laughs> Everything you're doing, if you're analyzing frequencies of a minute, a day, a week, a month, that's a waste of time. If, if I told you I know how it all ends, right? 
once you know how it all ends, that, that the only use of time is, how do I buy more Bitcoin? <laughs> but take all your money, buy wow. Bitcoin, then take all your time, figure out how to borrow more money to buy more Bitcoin, then take all your time and figure out what you can sell to buy Bitcoin. And if you absolutely love the thing that, you're, that you don't want to sell it, go mortgage your house and buy Bitcoin with it. And if you've got a business that you love because your family works for the business that's in your family for 37 years and you can't bear to sell it, mortgage it, finance it, and convert the proceeds into the hardest money on earth, which is Bitcoin. So what I would say is use all your time to acquire Bitcoin, finance entities and weaker currencies to buy Bitcoin, or educate yourself on why this makes sense if you're not sure. And then educate everybody around you. You know, if you're working. Okay, let's pause. Yeah, let's pause. Okay, so go ahead. The con for context, I want to say uh, the question that was asked here is how do you prioritize your time in a 24 hour day? And okay. then the answer was use all your time to buy Bitcoin. Okay. MicroStrategy holds 129,218 Bitcoin. Wow, that's a lot of Bitcoin. 4,800. The, the, in all, the firm has spent $3.97 billion on Bitcoins. Uh, 4,800 of those were purchased for an average price of $44,645. They were bought over, you know, various periods. Gosh. And as of right now, uh, the, according to the street today, as we're taping this, uh, Michael Saylor's bet on Bitcoin now presents a loss of at least $1.2 billion. That at least is, you know, that's his publicly traded company. And so if you were an investor in MicroStrategy, that was mm -hmm. the bet that you made. But I want to underscore again that he's talking to a family office association, a bunch of investors. And yes. this is the advice that he's giving right now. Spend all of your time yeah. figuring out how to buy more Bitcoin and nothing but. It's classic. Um, finding, oh. you know, if you would, if you were to define a Ponzi scheme as finding more people to buy into it, right? Um, this will be looked at historically. If Bitcoin goes to a million dollars a coin, he'll be looked as profit. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was what he was thinking. Because you got to remember in context, when he made these remarks in March of 2021, Bitcoin was trading, you know, 59, 60,000. And so he was riding a high. He had bought in, I think as you said, like at an average of 44,000. And then he had bought more before that at a lower price. Um, so, you know, if you're in a year, you know, doubling your money, you, you all of a sudden feel pretty, pretty confident, right? You got in before mm -hmm. everybody. Well, how do you continue to, to keep this, um, Ponzi scheme going if you take the most uncharitable version of this? Well, you get more people involved and telling people that the problem with this is he's so enthusiastic. He is, in fact, very charismatic. This is a multi-decade publicly traded CEO. He did have an SEC enforcement against him previously. Let's put that aside and give him the benefit of the doubt here. This is a incredibly sophisticated public market CEO and founder. Yeah. yeah. And he is telling people to mortgage their house and a bunch of family office people, if they own a family business, which is how they wound up having a family office, like it could be the lumber company, you know, from Canada or the, right. you know, people who owned a bunch a of kukuroos in Texas or something. And yeah. he's telling them to take their existing business, stop working on it, put all your time into Bitcoin and mortgage that business to yeah. buy Bitcoin. You, the audacity yeah. to give financial advice 
uh, unsolicited financial advice, I might add. So this is financial advice when you have a horse in the race, mm-hmm. when you directly benefit from the advice you're all giving. All the horses. You have all the horses in the race. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what percentage of active Bitcoin he owns, but it's got to be a pretty good percentage, right? Mm-hmm. Of, of like, he's got a, a not insignificant. Yeah, 150,000 out of what is going to be a lifetime total of 21 million Bitcoin. I mean, it's, it's got a lot. He's got a lot. It's a lot. Right? If it's if there's 21 million, then 210,000 is 1%, right? So he's right. almost 1% of Bitcoin. But the number of Bitcoins out there, like there's a, some of these people say like a third of them are dead and in dead wallets, so nobody can ever recover them. So maybe, right. you know, it's maybe there's, I don't and know. And all 21 million, million have not been minted yet or something, you know? I mean, there's a couple of million left, yeah. So let's yeah. just say there's 15 million, you know, that are actively circulating. You know, he's got 1% of them. Yeah. So he's talking his own book, but the yep. level of advice he's giving is so dramatic. He he could have said, "Bitcoin is brand new; it is high risk. I'm I've gone all in. Right. I'm convinced for these reasons. Should you do this? Is a question you have to ask yourself, and you have to do a ton of research. And you should do that research yourself and come to mm-hmm. your own conclusion. And perhaps, if I was talking to a friend and they'd done their research." If they put 1% of their net worth into this and they could afford to lose it, um, you know, I could understand them making that bet. I've made a much larger bet, but I am a high risk taker and you need to make your own decision. If you see any videos of me on the internet talking about angel investing, mm-hmm. I give a, a disclaimer like that all the time, every time. But yeah. he does something so sinister in this video, um, which he actually tells you to not do research because it's a waste of time. Yeah. You go to Venezuela, you can study all the companies and then place bets and you realize it's a whole waste of time. He's literally saying, do not do research on the thing that I bought before you. And Mm -hmm. when you buy it, I benefit. This to me feels like this video is going to launch when it goes viral because it's only gone viral amongst us but mm. this video will go viral when Bitcoin hits 10K or, you know, or whatever the bottoming out here is. Yeah. And it's going to result in a class action lawsuit, lawsuit because all a, a, an ambulance chasing lawyer needs to do is find one person who saw that video and bought Bitcoin at 60,000 to launch that class action suit. And, uh, you know, this is just disastrous. It's disastrous. And it's and I'll be honest, it's unnecessary and gross. Um, you don't need to be this toxic with people. Well, if you have that religion, conviction, right? It's, this it isn't feels even, like a, yeah, it's deranged. this is not even right. This is not advice. This is no longer financial. I mean, if you look at his Twitter feed, it's clear that this is really like fundamentally religious. I like mean, his pinned tweet. pinned tweet alone. Bitcoin is a swarm of cyber hornets serving the goddess of wisdom, feeding on the fire of truth, exponentially growing, ever smarter, faster, and stronger behind a wall of encrypted energy okay i don't know what he smoked when he wrote that look at his profile picture pull up the profile picture uh, yeah it's beyond laser eyes he's now gone full like yeah i listen i i get that it's a bit but it's a bit with a hundred fifty thousand bitcoin bet behind it combined with giving financial advice right mm-hmm. so if he said I believe this. You have to come to your own conclusion. I, this is religion to me. I believe that this is going to change the world forever. I, I get it. I, yeah. I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. 
It's just that when you start giving this kind of detailed financial advice, don't do research. Buy some Bitcoin or something close to it. Uh, MicroStrategy, he doesn't say it. So he's kind of leaning you towards it. In, in my interpretation, I could be wrong. He, maybe he means something else. But it's giving out like cult-like vibes yeah, and Ponzi scheme-like vibes. And mm-hmm. that's fine if it's going up. He looked like a genius when it's going up. And, who, and we don't know. The story is not told. It could become a global reserve currency. It could become worth a million dollars a coin. But that doesn't forgive this level of behavior. And, you know, it's, it, this is something that a regulator, the SEC, class action folks are going to have a field day with in the event of a collapse. And, you know, is this a collapse? It's a correction for Bitcoin, but it's, it kind of feels like we're teetering on complete collapse here. Yeah, 80% it really drawdowns does. happen. 90% drawdowns happen. Talk to Peloton shareholders. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, liquidation events are happening in near constant real time at this point. Yeah. Um, this it's feels just, like, just, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I, I feel like this person is like, I just, God, how do I say this? I don't want to diagnose somebody from afar, but this feels like he's manic right it i i know people who have had manic episodes and it feels like a mania when he speaks right like it's so intense and it's so convincing that a person who wants to be part of something i could see you know five or ten percent of people who watch this video actually getting convinced and it it's just when you start having any level of notoriety or power you got to be careful you just got to be careful with this stuff and uh, this feels like he's directing people um to make a bet that benefits him to not do research all this stuff put together um yeah i mean i think leaving is it's hard to leave aside the it's hard to leave aside the fact that if you are predisposed to kind of this cult-like thinking yeah for whatever reason that this is exactly the thing that's going to draw you in especially and this is important to point out that at the time that he was talking bitcoin was at sixty thousand dollars that had yeah, gone it from racing. literally zero yeah. did not exist yeah. to an asset in which a single digital coin was worth $60,000. So like there had not been a historical reason to think mm. that it was going to do anything but that. And mm. I, I do think that when you look at, even when you look at Jack Dorsey and the, the look on his face when he talks about decentralization, right? Like there's yes. a... There is a Venn diagram of mm-hmm. wanting to believe in a whole new thing and the power of invention yes. and innovation and this, you know, arrival of this potentially earth shattering technology like that draw that I think draws you in and makes you lose your mind. It's just yeah. like it becomes dangerous when you're leading a public company in that direction, when you become the the false prophet for, you know, these yeah. family offices that control what is it, six trillion dollars globally. Yeah, I mean, who knows how many of them are there, but yes, family offices are, he's going to a family office conference. These are people who could place $10 million bets, $100 million bets. These are people who place those bets. These are the people who will put money into a venture fund. Like Like, Archegos is the, you know, when Archegos collapsed, we saw the size of the family office industry, which is largely unregulated, and they're bringing in like David Koresh to tell him to put everything into Bitcoin. It's a little scary. Yeah, and listen, I wouldn't call it manic if it if it if there was some consideration here or some disclaimers. 
Right. But he is nothing. There's not only is there nothing, he is egging people on to mortgage their homes and mortgage their businesses, you know? Uh, And listen, I get it. Like, it's fun to buy NFTs and all this stuff. But like, you just got to use some common sense here. And I am I am a big fan of people um, being able to do what they want with their money. I think the accreditation law should be changed. They're in the Mm -hmm. process of being changed. Um, I've been very public about this, you should have a test. And if there was a test that you took, that was, you know, 75 questions. And you know, they had to do with diversification and Ponzi schemes and, uh, you know, what bonds are and what, you know, equities were how equities were. And you just had to take a test and maybe it was, you know, twice as hard as a driver's license, you know, some something in that range. Uh, maybe what a gun test should be something where you, you you really have to show that you read the book like a scuba diving test right are you patty certified molly no okay so i did patty certification you got to read a book you got to do it like three or four open water dives because you could die because mm-hmm. you're underwater mm-hmm. you know this could be the risk of ruin is here for family so why not let people take a test get a financial driver's license or like a patty certification to to be a, a diver and then when somebody comes out like Michael Saylor does here and is egging people on to make a bet on an untested, unregulated, distributed fad like Bitcoin that could turn out to be something very real and a great investment, y- you at least have some backstop, right? I mean, you uh, should just all oh, the basics never change. And that's I, hmm. I also think. I don't blame the retail investors who got sucked into this and now are astonished, right? Or who watched these videos and were like, what? These are the smartest people in the world who control tons and tons of wealth. Why would I not believe them implicitly? Because it is very hard to hold on to fundamentals in, you know, a hurricane, which is what this was. Yeah. Uh, and who knows? It, Bitcoin could recover. It could go to a hundred thousand and he'll look like a genius. And this video clip will look like, Oh my God, we didn't get it. Yeah. I, I, I freely admit. You know, Bitcoin could go to a million dollars. I own Bitcoin. Definitely. I'm I'm holding Bitcoin. I do think that it's a real technology, but man, it, yeah. this is just so it uh, got gross. Compl- it turned in anytime anything turns into a cult, be wary. Yeah. Be wary. And uh and people talk their books, you know, like I'm always very careful. I'm like, listen, I still believe in Uber, I still believe in Robinhood, I still own the shares. I tell people, and if I were to liquidate my positions, I would tell you, right? So when I say, hey, listen, I think Uber's undervalued. I think Robinhood's going to be a great company. I'm holding for 10 years. Mm-hmm. I tell people that. And I say, you can look at my replies. People are like, oh, what about Robinhood? I'm like, I plan on holding Robinhood for a decade. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to bail on a company I think is incredible. And just because, you know, they have some things to work out or whatever, they, they didn't get to 20 million users by accident. I still believe in the company. I still believe in management. I still hold in the shares. Haven't sold a share there. I did liquidate part of my Uber position a while ago with Masa early on. I am keeping the rest of my position because I believe in the company. Mm-hmm. But I'm not telling you to buy it. Or know? mortgage your home for it. Or more. I'm, I mean, come on. And if I if I did tell, <laughs> listen, if somebody asked me like, do I think Uber's undervalued? I say, yes, I think Uber's undervalued. Do I think it's going to be worth 10 times as much? Yes, that's why I'm holding it. You should do your own research. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you should. <laughs> you know, take an Uber, you should use the product or service, you should watch interviews, do your research. And he's telling people don't do research. Yeah, that's the part that makes me super pissed off about Michael Saylor. Yeah, is that he told people to not do research into mortgage their homes. Um, so anyway, it's important yep. you all see that the Celsius network withdrawals are still paused. Yes, these are the people who are giving some huge amount of uh, interest on crypto deposits. So you give them your crypto. 
they give you 18% or something crazy like that. We could never figure out who was paying the 18%. Company had 1.7 million users before it paused the withdrawals. Who knows what's going to happen with them? $12 billion uh, in assets, managing almost $12 billion in assets, and no one knows what's going to happen. They are yeah. apparently seeking, uh, look, talking to bankruptcy lawyers was, what? I think, the last I saw <gasps> trying to figure out how to restructure. Yeah. Um, or taking on a strategic investment. Who's taking on the street, bet? right? So they, this is according to the Wall Street Journal as of today, has hired restructuring attorneys from law firm Aiken, Gump, Strauss, Hauer, and Feld, LLP, to yeah. advise on possible solutions for its mounting financial problems, according to people familiar with the matter. Yeah. Crazy. Massive, massive, massive. But listen, this could all end up being moot. Yeah. Because the aliens are here. Did you see this story today? Uh, I, I saw this story last night. And so, I was, you know, you know, when you're going to bed and you're trying to get off the doom scrolling. Yeah. And then, and then the simulation, because we're in a simulation. I'm convinced now. Oh, it's 100%. just obviously a simulation. 100%. Because right as I'm ready to go to bed, I got a massage yesterday. My wife forced me to get a massage because she thought I was under a little stress. And uh, so I was like, okay, I'll get the massage. Uh, and uh, it was lovely. And I'm, I'm not even into that. And then I'm like on the bed. I'm like, just, about, I was watching that show on HBO uh hacks i'm enjoying the show hacks. oh yeah that show's funny yeah yeah so i'm on season three of hacks and it's just lovely these two comedians and one's older one's younger it's just it's, great it's really under um i think it's under rated uh rated underrated show hacks a season three i highly recommend it so i, I get through two or three episodes of that i got obi-wan tonight I just, I'm, I'm about to fall asleep and then i see china finds aliens and i'm i'm like really simulation we're done here. Can I get We're any bet? Can I get any sleep? And you know what? I refuse to double click on it. Then I get to our yeah. chat in the morning. I see the producers. It's in Bloomberg because I saw it on some Fugazi website. It's in Bloomberg. It's in USA Today. It's ever my kid, of oh, course, came running God. upstairs. He was like, now okay, we have aliens I, I, like we're doomed. So this is the only reason this is in the lineup. Make me smarter, because, Molly. <laughs> exactly. There are two reasons this is in the lineup. Because one, if it turns out to be true, we do not want to be the show that walked by it. Okay. Yes. Like we're not buying it. But two, yeah. really interesting technology story. Okay. So the story is China's science ministry said that its giant telescope, and, and China apparently has the world's largest radio telescope, which I did not know, mm. uh, said its giant telescope may have found signals from alien civilizations. The signals were identified this year by its 500-meter aperture spherical radio telescope known as Sky Eye. The narrow-band electromagnetic signals detected by Sky Eye are different from ones previously captured, and this team is still investigating them according to bloomberg though the report then had been posted on the website of the science and technology daily the official newspaper of china's science and ministry uh, technology ministry and then it was removed kind okay. of like covid <laughs> yeah i mean i was talking about this earlier i'm like, just not walking by it like i just want to put this plant this steak right here and be like yeah we saw it so that when it turns out to be yeah aliens on the way i i think this is worth investing in uh, i'll be totally honest like i know we got a lot of problems on earth but we're not going to be here much longer molly you and i are on the back yeah. you know nine we're on the downswing we're on the downswing here we i, I have no illusions about the fact that we i got look between good, one we look but great it's coming. we're looking great uh but we're healthy all that stuff but i we have between one day and you know, whatever, yeah. 30, 40 years, 50 years, you know, it could be good. But this satellite, this China, you know, dish here looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. I think we need to build one that's 10 times bigger. 
<laughs> because before I, mean, I yes, die, though. I sincerely want to know where the aliens are. And the clock is ticking. So I know it's a waste of money and we got like a lot of other things to work on. But I think we should be going all out to find, uh, all in on finding more of these aliens. Oh, I want to find out. And even if we never know, the fact that we know there's somebody sending a signal, to me, that would be lovely. I think it would change humanity's view of the world, right? It'd give us some purpose, like, okay, there, there are other alien life forms out there. We can meet them, you know, and uh, there could be a lot of upside in that. Uh, or they could fry us and eat yeah, us. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent on the Stephen Hawking train here, and the um, my I I love 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 that trilogy, the dark uh, the three body problem yes, trilogy the, yeah. by Shishin Liu. And yeah. the book, my son and I were talking about this actually when I took him to work this morning. The uh, idea of the dark forest, like if you're in a dark forest and you don't know what's out there, but you assume there are probably things that are out there that can kill you, are you going to light a fire and be like, "I'm right here"? Yeah. Or are you going to shut the hell up Yes, and try not to die? Yeah. And Stephen Hawking was of the opinion that we need to shut the hell up and try not to die. Because if there's if there are aliens marauding out mm. there in the world, it's most likely, universe, it's most likely because they're looking for resources. Yeah. That's what we did as a species. Sure, it makes when sense. When we expanded across the globe, it was usually because we're like, oh, we need this and we need that and we'll kill whatever is there and take it. It's not... Shut the hell but, up. but if you be here, hold on. I have a counter argument to that. I don't, I don't know the whole body of science out there. And I only got into the second three body problem <laughs> audio books. Uh, I got to pick it back up. Um, but here's the thing. If you are that scientifically advanced to get across the universe, mm -hmm. it would follow that you would have the ability to create resources because it's going to take a heck of a lot of resources to get across the universe. Mm -hmm. And we're already at the point of not being resource constrained on this planet, like, you know, fusion, you know, renewables, water, like desalinization. I mean, we are talking about mining the moon, because we need some uh, metals and minerals that we're having a hard time finding here. Yeah, it feels opportunistic. It doesn't feel like but I mean, if we could get to another planet like ours, another Goldilocks planet. Yeah. The amount of resources it takes to get there by definition would be mean that we have unlimited resources, I think. So I'm going to go with the, okay. we're good. You're an optimistic guy. I like I'm that. optimistic. About we're good. It. Yes. We're and good. if I'm not, like, you know, it is you what know. it is. Okay. If we're not, then go in the first wave. All right. So we'll wrap on that. Uh, there's yeah. either good news or the Chinese are lying again, or <laughs> it's the end of days. Or like both, maybe? Or, or the right. simulation mm -hmm. is just, you know, the, the whatever... 12 year old girl is like running this simulation she's not tired right now she's not she's, tired she's having the time of her life she has a lot more ideas she's got a lot of ideas uh to <laughs> to she's like let's see if a reality star could run everything oh let, <laughs> how about a hundred year pandemic let's crash the market let's make an imaginary currency you know it's like please <laughs> stop i liked it better when it didn't move she's i mean she's <sighs> literally gonna be like what if russia and china both started a war in the same year like this taiwan stuff like oh Anyway, stay focused, everybody, and we'll be stay here focused. for you every day at 10 a.m. YouTube.com slash this weekend. And um, we'll see you tomorrow. We've got a lot, a lot of fun things going on. we got a lot of new guests coming on. We're going to be booking, having some interesting interviews coming up on This Weekend Startup soon. Oh, and, uh, and then, of course, don't forget about this Angel University. Ah, yes. Angel University is happening. Uh, go to angel.university. It's happening in two weeks. So if you want to learn how to angel invest in startups, 
and do it with like a real good methodology and not mortgage your house. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, do I'm it gonna thoughtfully. I'm going. Come. Oh, you're going to go. Great. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Maybe you can help us with the Q&A at the end. Uh, angel.university. All proceeds go to charity uh, on the angel.university site. We have a list of all the charities we've given money to. Uh, and I think it's over 150 or 175,000 we've donated. So all the proceeds, we don't make any profit from this. We just pour the profit into donations. Uh, but we do like people to pay for a ticket so that they don't burn the seat uh, at the Zoom call. So it's virtual as well. We'll probably do them in person at some point. And uh, as we wrap here, we uh, we had the breaking news of the 0.75 uh, interest rate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, happened Markets today were the Fed. all over the place as we were talking. Uh, but the Fed is is being super aggressive. And then there's an updated estimate Wednesday from the Atlanta Fed. Okay. On whether we are or are not in a recession, a recession, of course, being defined as two straight quarters of negative growth right now. The Atlanta Fed is saying Q2 is flat, not negative. Oh, so we may have just dodged a bullet, maybe, maybe. technically. And technically. they usually use, you know, I hear some people saying a recession also has to be that we don't have jobs or people are losing jobs and there's an employment issue. But yeah, I've never heard anybody happening. give it. But I've never heard anybody give a specific definition of that, like, you know, unemployment is above X percent, or, you know, the number of available jobs is below X percent. So yeah. if somebody can inform me about that um, definition of a recession or that caveat to a recession, please email us producers at thisweekinstartups.com. Exactly. I, I keep hearing people on CNBC talk about unemployment in relation to the definition of, an, in, in, of a, a recession. recession. But that, yeah. and th that is... Something we knew was a possibility that it could be a flat quarter in terms of GDP. So that, that would actually be good news. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, we'll take markets it. Are, markets are green as we wrap. So we better go. Goodbye. Yeah. We'll see everybody tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>